Welcome to another Monday. More specifically, welcome to the Monday Mailbag. I'm Bob McElligot. Great to have you aboard for another one of these shows where you ask the questions, I give the answers. You know, if this would be like an old episode of Sesame Street, I don't know if it's still like this. I haven't watched it in years. But if it was like, if it still is like it always was, I could say today's show is brought to you by the number 11 because that's how many seconds were left on the clock in regulation when the Blue Jackets gave up a tying goal to the New York Rangers yesterday and once again missed out on an opportunity to pick up two points. First, they missed out on the chance to do that in regulation and hand a Rangers team that had been 8-0-1 in its last nine a loss, a team that has only two regulation losses on the year, and one of those coming at the hand of the Blue Jackets, at the hands of the Blue Jackets, to be grammatically correct, in that second game of the season when the Rangers played at Nationwide Arena. They had a chance to do that, and it slipped away. Then they couldn't end it in overtime, and then they couldn't get anything in the shootout, and the Rangers went on to win the game yesterday 4-3. to three. Now, if you look at that game, and if you look at the Blue Jackets through the simple lens of wins and losses, you're going to be very disappointed, obviously, because they've lost, what now is it, 9 out of the last 10. And you're supposed to look at it through that lens. I get it. I understand. I'm not stupid. I mean, you don't play this game to lose. You play the game to win. So looking at it just from that standpoint, wins, losses. You're going to be very black and white about it. Then the Blue Jackets are not doing very well at all. If you are to look at it another way, I will tell you this. After the game against Detroit on Saturday, when we were in New York yesterday morning, I went to interview Pascal Vincent about, uh, you know, just talking about the game before. and But I said to him, because I was thinking about this, when I'm walking down to talk to him, and I'm like, look, all we talk about is this negativity, that negativity, this blown play, that blown play, uh, this structural mistake by the team as a whole. And it, obviously we do that because that's what is determining the difference between winning and losing. I get it. But, you know, you get so many games into it, and it's very easy from my standpoint just to keep pointing out this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. I think we all know that's wrong. We all know what's wrong. It Well, not 100%, but you, you know what I mean. You get a pretty good idea of where things are going awry, if you will. So I just simply asked him. I said, look, do you feel that you're close? Do you feel that the way you want your team to play is close? Do you feel that the structure is close? And he said, yes, I really do. I think his quote was, we see the puzzle. We just have to put some pieces into place, which I thought was a very interesting analogy because it it has been puzzling in these last two weeks, puzzling as to how you fall behind early, or how you come back and take a lead and can't hold it, how you can't close a game out late. That's all puzzling. Not really. I mean, if you break it down, you again, you can find the answers to the questions. But is the structure there? Are you close? Are you close to being what you want to be as a team? And his answer was yes. And I got to tell you, throughout that game yesterday, I saw it. I think I saw it really for the first time where it was consistent through three periods. Winning and losing, I'm taking that out for right now. Did they play the right way? Yeah, for the most part, they did. They fell behind, they came back, they took a lead. They shut down one of the top power plays in the league throughout regulation. In fact, that included a five-on-three that was a minute and nine seconds for the Rangers in their building with that power play, and they got nothing. That says something for the penalty killers of the Blue Jackets who were in the, what, top five in the league going into play yesterday. That unit has gotten better and better and better. 
Now, the tying goal is essentially a quote-unquote power play goal because they pull the goalie, they put an extra guy on the ice. So from that standpoint, am I surprised that they were able to pull that off, that they were able to get it? Well, no. If I look at what they've done on the power play throughout the entire season and the chances they had already missed on the power play, now they're getting one more opportunity to go a man up and it's an opportunity they have to cash in on or the game is over, I'm not surprised. I mean, the Rangers are very talented, and they're a deep team. They have a lot of experience, and they put that on full display at the end. Now, you could say, well, if the Blue Jackets had won this faceoff, and if the Blue Jackets had cleared the puck over the blue line, and yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, but they didn't. And now some of that, has to go to the fact that, you know, the Rangers were desperate and they were battling and they have that experience and all that stuff. Are there things the Blue Jackets should have done individually and as a team? Yes, for sure. There's no doubt about that. But again, the overall picture, it didn't look bad yesterday. It really didn't. And you look at the way they got the goals. I mean, look at the goal scorers. Justin Danforth, Adam Fantilli, Sean Corrali. And Corrali's goal, is there any more hard-working goal than charging the net, putting the puck in, falling forward, driving your shoulder into the goalpost, making it all count? No, I don't think there is. And as a matter of fact, I think the Sean Corrali, Justin Danforth, and now Alex Texier line has really changed a lot of the complexion of this team for good and bad, quite frankly. And why I say that is because as good as it has been, it is also, there, there was a bad on Saturday. When you look at the fifth goal that the Red Wings got, it's because Corrali was trying so hard to send a long pass to the neutral zone to get it to Alexander Texier so that maybe he could separate and break free for a second breakaway and maybe a second goal in that game. Now, why is that bad, you ask? Well, what's bad is that, the pass ends up hitting a skate and it goes right back to the Red Wings. But that line has, it's changed with the addition of Texier because when you have Danforth, Olivier, Corrali, it's a series of short passes, sure passes, sure and short. They're not looking to, to beat you with the long pass down the ice. They're just looking to methodically move it, grind you down, get the puck to the front of the net, and score a goal. And they still can do that with Alexander Texier, but the other dynamic they have is they can hit him with a stretch pass and have him fly the zone, right? So there's good and bad. For Sean Corrali, if you look at the the Detroit game, he scored a goal in that game too, right? It was the best of times, and then he turns it over, they score. It was the worst of times. I digress. You look at the goal scorers. I mean, there there are contributions coming from different guys. Now, do there need to be contributions coming from other guys? Let's say the guys that you expect to contribute on a regular basis. Oh, absolutely. Oh, there's no doubt. And I know one guy stands out, and we're going to talk about that guy here in just a minute because we have to. I mean, there's no hiding from what's going on here. But anyway, yesterday, as far as the team game, as far as how close this team is to playing with that structure on a consistent basis, it actually gave me great hope yesterday. Now, hope can spring eternal, or it can slap you right in the face. So we're going to find out as you go along. Um, But I, I did like a lot of yesterday. I didn't like them not getting the two points, and I... And I was really rooting for it just because, number one, I thought they deserved it. Number two, they need something good to happen. They really, as a team, need something good to happen. And I thought yesterday might be the day. I even thought that in the morning because when you go into New York City and you play at Madison Square Garden, you know, it's special. It really is. This is no knock on being in Columbus and playing at Nationwide Arena. But, you know, when you play in Philly or you play in Boston, maybe the luster of going to the Garden, it's still there. 
it's still there, but you know, you're also playing in, you know, historic places, man, I, not historic buildings, I guess anymore because the, the originals have gone, but, but you know what I mean? I mean, maybe it's not such a big deal and you're coming from a, a larger size city, but here, when you leave Columbus and you go into New York city, there's just a completely different feel and a completely different vibe not saying I like all of it. Okay. Don't get me wrong here. I, I love the feel of the Midwest. I love the relaxation here. I don't, I don't like the, the, uh, the hustle and bustle 24 seven thing, but I'm just saying when you go in there, you have a chance to make something special happen just because you're there and you, you get energy just from being there, just from being in the city. It is vibrant. You could feel it. I remember the first time I went there, and I didn't go to uh, to New York City. I'd never been there in my life until the first time I went with the Blue Jackets when I came here back in the 2009-2010 season. I remember that first trip in there, and I remember after the morning skate, I walked from Madison Square Garden back to our hotel. And you, it just, it's buzzing around you. That's how I felt. I, I It was just, it was buzzing everywhere. It, there are people everywhere. It, it just feels like there's this electricity in the air and when you're going in to play the rangers you can use that to your advantage i talked to mark recce about this yesterday because well you get you get to the garden and where you get off the bus you immediately have to walk up this very steep ramp to get up to the dressing room level and like this ramp it's just it's psychological it's brutal like i know i'm carrying a bag and i've got to climb this thing and and uh you know by the time you get to the top your legs are burning and i was walking next to mark recce and i said uh you know i said something about you've you've walked this a number of times in your career he said yeah as a player you knew uh if you were going to have legs for the night or not by the time you climbed the ramp you knew if your legs were going to be going during the game that night or if you were out of gas uh, from what you've already done previously, and you were going to struggle through the game. But I did ask him about that, you know, the the aura of Madison Square Garden and about coming in there, and he agreed. He agreed. He said, you know, you, you come here to play. It's just a special place, and, you know, the history, you're surrounded by it. You can't help but be because as you walk down the hallway to go to the dressing room, there's, you know, pictures of events that have taken place in that building of, you know, Muhammad Ali and just – there's it's more than hockey it's more than basketball it's it's more than concerts it's you know it's everything as a matter of fact here to give you a fine example of how everything the garden is they had on saturday night a ufc fight then on sunday in the early afternoon the knicks played and then the blue jackets and the rangers played last night so that you pretty much run the gambit there yeah i don't know if you can do any more than that in that short span of time. I was waiting to get something to eat at one of the concession stands yesterday, and I was hearing the lady that was working the stand tell somebody how tired she was and she couldn't wait until the hockey game was over because she had worked the event the night before and she had worked the basketball game. Uh, so they um, it never stops, never, ever stops. But I thought the Blue Jackets took that energy you can get from being in that building, and I really thought they put it on full display. And I'll tell you one guy in particular that I was really impressed with yesterday, and that was Adam Fantilli. From the first shift that he took, he was noticeable. And I know that's the case in most of the games that he plays, if not all of the games that he's played so far in the National Hockey League because there haven't been very many. But it, it was different. It was different. Like when he went after Jacob Truba, it was different. The way he skated, the way he hustled, the way he tried to be a difference maker yesterday, it was different. Now, maybe some of that is coming just because he is feeling more comfortable in his own skin in the National Hockey League, and I would say that that's probably the case. But he wanted to be on that stage yesterday. That was very, very obvious. He wanted to show the world and the New York Rangers how good he is. And he did a really good job. Really did. His goal was sick. Just sick. Now, what else are you going to say, right? I mean, he takes pucks in areas where you don't think he's going to be able to turn it into a shot. And not only does he turn it into a shot, he turns it into a goal. 
It's what he does. So it, it, he was he was just he was great yesterday. I mean, a lot of there were a lot of guys that had good games. There were some guys that didn't have a good game. But I thought Adam Fantilli really stood out in that uh, loss, that shootout loss, almost at overtime, the shootout loss against uh, the Rangers last evening in New York. So now the Blue Jackets are still struggling to get wins, and uh, the schedule doesn't get easier because tomorrow the Pittsburgh Penguins come to Nationwide Arena for the first time this year. And we all know what that's like. I mean, we all know what that game brings and the – the difficulty level, the underlying tones in that game, you know, the whole where the the Penguins don't see it as a rivalry, maybe, but the Blue Jackets do, and I I don't think the Penguins don't see it as a rivalry. They're just they you just need to have more pushback on them to make it a legit rivalry. You need to beat them in the playoffs to make it a, a legit thing. But um, there there's always extra storylines whenever the Blue Jackets and the Penguins get together. So you've got that tomorrow. You've got an Arizona team coming here on Thursday that is nothing to laugh about. They're pretty good. And then you've got to go back on the road for back-to-back Washington and Philadelphia. Busy week, challenging week. And where do the Blue Jackets come out of all of this? Well, that's what we're going to find out as the week goes along. All right, there's my spiel to you to get things started here today. Now, it's your turn. And some of you have already sent me your question on X. And if you want to do that, you still can, at Bobby Mac Sports. Others are live on X Spaces with me right now. And if you're in that category, and if you want to ask your question live, all you have to do is request to be a speaker. And uh, I'll bring you up and you can ask your question. All right? So I believe we have everything covered. Time to go to the questions. And I promised you there was somebody that we would talk about. And we're going to go right to it because Matt has asked this question. With Johnny Gaudreau firmly on the struggle bus, do you think it's time to have him watch a game or two? I'm usually on the let them work it out on the ice club, but he seems to have been more of a liability than a help over the last few games. Well, I am so torn on this, to be honest with you, Matt, because part of me wants to say when Emil Bemstrom struggles, he sits. When Kent Johnson struggles, he sits. I'm not going to put Olivier into that because sometimes he doesn't struggle and he still sits, and that a lot of that is based upon the, the opponent and what they're bringing to the table. But my point is... There are some players that when they don't have a good night, you can pretty much figure they're not going to be in the lineup the next day. Then there's Johnny Gaudreau, who is without a doubt struggling. But here's the thing. Johnny Gaudreau is one of, if not the star player on your team. He came here last year as a free agent. He gave him a lot of money. He's had great production throughout the course of his National Hockey League career, and none of that's happening right now. So it would be very easy to say, look, when other people struggle, they have to sit. You're struggling. You have to sit. And I get that, and that would be very fair. But here's what you also have to watch. I don't know what's going on with Johnny right now. I don't know if it's an off-ice thing. I don't know if it's an on ice thing. I don't I don't I don't know what's happening there. But you don't want to lose him. That's where I think you have to be careful as a coach. Is this guy knows he's struggling already. You know, nobody has to pull him into a room and say, Hey, uh, Johnny, I don't know if you've realized this, but the only goal you have was an empty netter and you're not really doing the things that we became accustomed to watch you do last year. Nobody has to tell him that. He knows that. He knows his game's off, right? So you stick with him, and you you keep putting, putting him out there. And because here's the thing, and I, I'm just going gonna, gonna to use this guy as an example, okay? And I, I'll say with Emil Bemstrom, if you keep putting him out there, 
is he all of a sudden going to catch fire and get a whole bunch of points for you and then be a difference maker every night? I don't think so. Based on what I've seen the last couple of years, he's not. Is Johnny Gaudreau going to do that? Does he have not just the potential to do that, but does he have the history of doing that? Yes, he does. You know, that's just like people that uh, say, why is he on the ice at the end of the game? You know, like in Washington, he got benched in the third period. The Blue Jackets are down by one. And, you know, all I read about on social media is people saying, how do you not have that guy out there in a one-goal game? I don't care what he did. I don't care, you know, how he's playing. He has the potential to score at any given time, which is true. And then you get the other side. Why is he out there late in the game? Because he's struggling, you know, a week later. Why is he out there? He shouldn't be out there. He's struggling. He's a liability. So, look, obviously there are two different ways to look at it. And to an extent, both opinions are correct. To an extent. But Johnny Gaudreau has the ability to, once once he gets past whatever it is he's trying to get past, you know he's going to be a good player. And he's always been a consistent player. I mean, this is, uh, th- th- what's happening to him right now just doesn't happen. So you know he's going to do that. So if you were to scratch him, you got to make sure that you don't lose him mentally. You know, you, you've got to help him. Maybe, maybe you talk to him and and he agrees that you need to scratch him. Not that he has to agree. You can do whatever you want to. And I think Pascal has already shown that he's not above doing what he thinks is right. So could that happen to him? It could happen to him. Is it likely? I don't know if it's likely. So we'll just have to wait and see. But as far as what is going on there, I don't know. I know Johnny Gaudreau doesn't need to sit in the press box to figure stuff out about the game. He knows about the game. He's he's always known how to play the game in the NHL. What's going on right now, I'm not sure. But, again, there are two sides. If he didn't play, it would be easy to look at and say, well, I get it, because if you're not playing well, you got to take a seat. And if he does play, it's easy to say, I get it, because at any point in time, he can break out, and all of a sudden he's going to be a multi-point-per-game guy. Finn McCool says, obviously it's way too early to say since we're not even a quarter into their rookie seasons, but with how Connor Bedard, Leo Carlson, and Adam Fantilli have played to start the year, do you think that we will look back at the 2023 draft as one of the best ever? With those three guys, yes, I do think that. I really do. You've got uh, Bedard, who's now starting to run up his goal totals and his point totals. Leo Carlson has an NHL hat trick. Adam Fantilli, I just talked about a couple of minutes ago with the things that he's doing. He's now tied for the lead in scoring on this team. Not that that's a lot to crow about right now because of guys that are underperforming. But nevertheless, that's a feather in his cap for sure as a rookie playing in his first NHL season. I think so. I think you're going to look back and say – Man, these three. And that's what we talked about the entire time, right? We talked about it's hard to lose unless you're drafting fourth overall. It's hard not to get a good player and an impact player unless you're drafting fourth. And I don't mean that, you know, like a Will Smith is not going to be a um, an impact player. It's just that he's in college right now and these guys are in the NHL. So it was uh, It was always going to be a – you were always going to be in a pretty good spot as long as you were in the top three. And the Blue Jackets, I, they feel like they're in a good spot with Adam Fantilli and, yeah, the, those other two. I think it has the potential that we'll look back on that draft and say, whew, this, these three guys at the top, man, that was, that was pretty good, and they've been pretty good. I think someday you're going to look back and you're going to say exactly that. Marco says, any concern about the inability to score in overtime? A lot of dangerous attempts against last night, too. 
only got the shootouts because of Elvis. If they're going to play in close games and blow leads, they need to find a way to salvage some in overtime. Yeah, of course you're concerned about that. But that overtime, you know, that three-on-three, it's you know pond hockey, it's a crapshoot. You know, you're not really strategizing. The biggest strategy is go into the zone, take a look at what you have. If you don't have anything, back it out to the neutral zone. Try to get somebody going with speed and see if you can create a two-on-one. I mean, that's what everybody does. That's what you're looking for. You're looking to create the odd man rush. Hang the goalie out to dry. So, But, yeah, there's, there's concern. There's concern about not scoring at any venture or any part of the game, rather. Um, you know, the shootout. Be concerned about not scoring in the shootout? Yeah. I, Johnny hit the post in the shootout. You know? I mean, it's... <laughs> Can you get closer without scoring a goal? No. I mean, that's how snake-bitten he is right now. But anyway, uh, yeah, there's there's concern about that. And, yeah, there are going to be great chances against in the overtime as well because of what I just said. Because teams are looking to create that odd man rush. And if, you know, if you take a shot and there's a stop, and this happened last night, you know, Jonathan Quick makes a save. And then all of a sudden, the Rangers have the puck, and they launch it up the ice, and here you go, two-on-one. That, that's what that overtime is. That's why the league likes that overtime format. That's what you get. So I'm not, you know, the, the chances against are less concerning than, you know, not taking advantage of your own chances. Just because that overtime is designed to be edge of your seat, up and down, chance after chance, which I felt last night's was without question. I mean, that was a fun overtime to call for me, to be honest with you, because there were how many rushes where the game could have ended, and then it didn't. And it's almost, uh, at the end of it, it's almost disappointing that you're going to a shootout because I I really wanted to see it end. And, and I obviously have a preference which way I wanted it to end, with which team winning, I mean. But uh, it was a fun overtime. It really was. Uh, once again... These questions have been sent to me on X, formerly Twitter. And if you want to send yours to me, at Bobby Mac Sports is uh, how you can do it. And if you're live on X Spaces and you want to be, uh, if you want to come on the show and be asking your question live, you can do that. All you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I will uh, bring you up, and you can do that. All right, what else do we have here? There's another Johnny thing. I already answered that. Uh, Kelly says, curious, how many face-offs did the Blue Jackets win in the last two minutes of the game? Seemed like we struggled in the face-off circle, especially in the last two minutes. I don't know the number, Kelly, but you're right. You're right. They struggled. And even when Pascal Vincent was asked about uh, the end of regulation, you know, what can you do differently in that situation? The first thing he said is win a face-off. The Rangers dominated from the face-off dot last night. They did. Uh, the guys that usually have good performances, Boone Jenner, I mean, he was just, that was not a strong suit in his game last night. And Mika Zabanejad uh, was, like, he was winning face-offs like there was no tomorrow. It's like somebody said to him, I bet you can't win 50 face-offs tonight. And he said, oh, yeah, watch this. I mean, that that's what was going on there. So it was, um, that was, that was a big, it's a big bone of contention. Now, face-offs have been, you know, they're on and off on this team for years. This is something we've talked about for a long time. And there are different guys that are taking them, but the two guys that you can normally count on without question are Sean Corrali and Boone Jenner. Fantilli is young. He's got to get used to the other guys he's taking the draws against. He's got to get used to the linesmen, the techniques, all that stuff. So he's got that built-in excuse for sure. And then um, you've got, uh, you know, Danforth was jumping in and taking some face-offs last night, but they've got to be better in that area. There's there's no doubt about that. They have got to be better when it comes to the face-offs. All right, let's get some, uh, let's get some live stuff in here. I like to, I like to talk to people. I like to, the back and forth, you know. I, I love reading your questions, don't get me wrong, but I like the back and forth. And uh, here's a guy that, Loves to provide that. Lester, welcome to today's show. How are you? Uh, did somebody mention face-offs? <laughs> I think so. Let me tell you, the last 28 minutes, the last eight minutes of the second period and the whole third period were rough because I felt like I was watching a 28-minute penalty kill. 
they just couldn't win a face-off to save themselves. And uh, Zabanajad and Trochak combined to take 36 of 50, where Corrali went one for 13 last night. And I thought about it, and I thought, i got to check the game notes and see what Corrali did before and after he whacked his shoulder on the goalpost. And before the goalpost, he went one for five. Afterwards, he went 0 for 8. I don't know if you can read anything into that. Hopefully, well, he doesn't have an issue. I, I, I'll say this. Um, not only the 0 for 8, but I mentioned Danforth took some face-offs, and a couple of times mm-hmm. I was surprised by that. Um, not, I mean, he does do it sometimes, and maybe I'm overthinking it, and it was just what side of the ice it's on, but that usually doesn't uh, determine whether or not Sean takes it. So it, it's possible you might have something there. It's very possible. I, I, well, like I, said, I don't know if there is anything there because he wasn't very good before he hit his shoulder. Yeah, that, that's true, but... But, I mean, he rammed that shoulder pretty hard. I was surprised that he got up as quickly as he did after watching that play. I I feared that he was going to be hurt, and thank goodness he wasn't. Well, you know, and that was the thing about last night. There were guys that left it all out on the ice, Elvis and Corrali and Danforth and, and Fantilli, and, and there were others, and it felt bad that they didn't get a win. They were just 11 seconds away from doing it. And I'm watching the, the post-game interviews, and I'm just seeing that look in Sean Corrali's eyes, and I'm thinking he was 11 seconds from celebrating a win, and instead he's standing here having to try to explain what happened. And, and really, it just that third period was rough. They could not possess the puck at all. What was bizarre is in the overtime, they actually took three of the four draws. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're right. You know, Sean, to, to expand a little bit on uh, Sean Corrali, I talked to him before the game yesterday. I did a one-on-one with him for our pregame show. And, you know, he said some things that I'm, I wasn't surprised by them because Sean is a good leader. Like, he's a quiet talker, but he's you see him on the ice, especially when he scores. He, he lets it out. He'll let you know how he feels. But he was he was very um, poignant with talking about how there were specific individuals, and he included himself, that really had to try to they, – they had to give more. They just had to be better. They had to do more. And this comes from a guy that had a goal the day before, but then he turned that puck over and they lost in Detroit – I mean, he was mad about that. He was mad at himself about that. And he specifically talked about giving more. And I thought, as you described it, he was one of those guys that gave everything that he had in that game last night. Yeah. Another thing, you know, people have been a little bit down on Johnny Gaudreau, but if you look at his career numbers, he averages about a point a game. So he's about an 82-point guy. Uh, Two years ago, he did put up 115. That was his best season ever. But two years before that, he only had 58. And everybody and everybody looks at the two years ago, and and I get it because it was such a high number. But the other two line mates also had over a hundred points, and he's not playing with either of those guys anymore. Yeah, actually, that's not true. Lindholm only had eighty-two points. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. I'm, I'm just rounding but, but, up. It's over fifty. I'm rounding up. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> well, what what you said though is a common myth. I see all of our armchair GMs get on social media and they think we should trade a King's ransom for Elias Lindholm. But if you get beyond just that one year where he goes 42, 40, and 82, his average over the other eight seasons of his career is 20, 35 for 55. So I don't know why they think you need to trade all Cole Sillinger or Kent Johnson, along with Matej Chuck and a number one pick and Andrew Peak. I mean, Calgary would say yes before they answered the phone. Well, and then, and you're not even leaving, you're leaving out the most important part of that. And then you're talking about paying 9 million a year. Yeah. He, and he's going to be 30 soon. I mean, right. that's just, that's such a bad idea all the way around. When I look at one thing that you know, we had hoped for when we brought in Gaudreau and we had line A extended that they were going to form a, a formidable duo on that line. But the problem is Patrick has been in and out of the lineup so much that they've only played 58 games together. And they've never really been able to develop the continuity that I think is required to make them the force that we think that they can be. Here's what I don't understand about the two of them. You're right in everything you said. And th- we were discussing this yesterday, the uh, the old discuss amongst yourselves thing. I don't understand why when they are on the ice at the same time, and especially during the power play, how can they, those two guys, with the talent that they each possess – they cannot make the cross-ice pass to connect with one another consistently. It's like as soon as I see one of them trying to pass it to the other one, I expect it to be picked off, and most times it is. And it is, and that's part of a chemistry thing. But, uh, yeah, I just I don't understand. 
Maybe it is the the lack of the games is why it hasn't worked yet. I don't know, but there is there's just something about it that it it does not it doesn't click. And then sometimes you'll see something and you'll go, "Oh, there it is." And then it's gone. So I I don't know. I don't know what it is with those two guys. I don't know if they're each one of them's trying to make a play and I mean somebody's got to shoot the puck, right? And if it's going right. if you're going to give me those two guys and say somebody's got to shoot it, who's it going to be? Well, I'm going to pick Patrick Line to shoot it. Like, quit trying to be a playmaker, shoot the puck. Well, it seems like, I, I don't know, maybe it's my imagination. Maybe I'm overly critical because this is the team I like and the team I follow. But our passes aren't always sharp. They don't always go tape to tape. We have trouble controlling those things. We don't. I'll watch other teams get good seam passes against us. Not so much this year as they did last year, but we don't seem to be able to do that, to find that open guy on the other side of the ice, especially when you're getting in there tight, when you're getting Agreed. in near the – the slot and that that just drives me bananas. I'm thinking, why are we unable to do that? We've got talented players. Supposedly, the two defensemen we brought in, Provorov and Severson, are supposed to be d- good at doing that. These long tape to tape passes. I've seen glimpses of that, but I have not seen it on the consistent basis that I want to see it. I, I agree with you on that, and I think you know when you look at the power play numbers, why isn't the power play better? Everybody wants that. Why is that? What's wrong with the power play? How they get that to be better? What you're saying is a really good point of it because how do you be effective on the power play, moving the puck quickly? And if you're going to move it quickly, that means you've got to pass and you've got to catch it. It's got to be crisp. It's got to be clean. And that's not always the case with this one. You Like when the Rangers were on the power play, you saw that thing zipping around out there. And oh, yeah. you got to, you got to get more to that. Yeah, you know, this might sound crazy, but I think it has some truth to it. We spend so much time trying to defend in our own zone. that I think that's one reason why we've been so good on the penalty kill because the guys are used to it. Because I'm sitting there saying it's five on five, but it looks like six on five. It, it, just like the three on five that they killed. It was like, you know, th- this is nothing. We're, we're playing like this all the time, trying to defend around the goalie. And, and I think they're just so used to it. They've gotten really good at it. Yeah, that's a good point because this new system, they, they want them to pack it in in front of the goalie, and that's why teams spend so much time in the zone sometimes because they're giving them everything on the outside, and then you, you can't retrieve the puck, and you, you can't get it out of there. So that, that's a good point. It could be, but I'll tell you what, that, that penalty kill, if you're looking for bright spots, that, one's, uh, that one shines really bright. That's easy to pick out. Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of things to like about our team. I mean, the last 10 games have been disappointing, yes, but I, I'm an optimist. I think that the better times are just around the corner. These guys are going to figure it out. Yeah, I agree uh, with you. Have, I, and yeah. I said yesterday that I that I saw signs of that yesterday. I, I felt yeah. like that yesterday. M- more so than some of the other games. Yesterday, I really felt that way. Yeah. And the, the biggest letdown for me, though, and I'll tell you this and get, I turned on the radio with a minute left in that game just so I could hear you say game over <laughs> and, and, and I sat there and I was just in disbelief when that puck went in the net and just the look on Elvis's face. I mean, he was just blown up. I really felt for him. I thought he played his tail off. He did everything he could do and just to have this happen. And, uh, you know, I hope the critics will shut up these guys don't deserve it. Yeah. He, uh, he did play, he played really, really well yesterday. He gave him a chance to win. Thanks Lester. Great to hear from you. Yeah. Always great to talk to you. All right. Uh, if you are live on X spaces and you want to be on the show, you can just request to be a speaker and I can bring you onto the show and then you can ask your question. You just heard Lester do it. Now let's bring up Troy and see what's on Troy's mind today. Hey Bob, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm actually fishing right now. Oh, so you're not good. You're great. Yeah, exactly. I'm fantastic. <laughs> so well, make sure you don't was, talk too loud. I don't want you to scare the fish away. <laughs> we already have uh, actually two monster keepers already, so we're in pretty good shape. Perfect. So I wanted to bring up one thing and then add something else after I hear your comments on this. So the past few games, I feel like just simply down to the eye test, the Voronkov fantilli marchenko line is fantastic. Love it. I love everything they do. They're battling for loose pucks. They skate hard. They create turnovers. Voronkov specifically, you see, if Columbus turns it over in the offensive zone, He's not skating back. He's skating at the people that just got the puck to make them make a tough pass, and he's created a lot of turnovers that way. Yeah, because he scares the hell out of them. And Jacob Truba is also a person that has scared (laughs) the hell out of him as well, as we saw. When someone is bigger than Jacob Truba, 
He's all bark, no bite, Bob. He uh, he he was pretty quiet after that Bronkov hit on him, wasn't he? Yeah, someone probably briefed him before the game that that's not the guy you want to mess with. Well, I'm sure he <laughs> knew, but sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Yeah. And with that line being so good and so effective, Voronkov being as advertised, honestly even producing better than I thought he would, what will it take to get this line more ice time? I don't know. I Look, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. I, I don't know. Look at uh, Marchenko. I forget what his uh, actual time on ice was yesterday, but like this guy has, what's he got, a five-game point streak now? And yeah, and he has less minutes than some other guys. Like I'm with you. I'm like, look, man, get them out there. They're like, especially yesterday, the way the Fantilli was playing yesterday. I might have leaned on that line for a lot. Uh, you know, the Corrali line is really producing, and I and again, I think it goes back to the whole part of it. it goes back to the whole, you know, you can't totally abandon a Boone Jenner line and um, mm-hmm. you know all that stuff, but. But yeah, if you're if you're gonna sit and say the guys that are playing are gonna play, that line needs to play more for sure. Yeah, and I uh, I think that idea and seed was planted on me versus Florida because on the broadcast Kevin Week said that there's no reason that that line shouldn't be over the boards every other shift when the game was on the line, and I said, wow, that's a great point. But the other thing that I wanted to uh, bring up is actually the comments you made about uh, Pascal Vincent before asking about how close he felt the team was to performing how they should. And I actually agree with that sentiment that they are playing better and it seems more controlled. I do Brazilian jujitsu. It's submission grappling, basically wrestling and you try to beat each other up. Our professor always says, when you want to advance positions, I'm trying to make an analogy to hockey. When you're trying to get up the ice, you want to be in control. You don't want it to be sporadic. So in jiu-jitsu, you want position over submission. You want to be climbing a tree like someone repairing telephone wires, not like a squirrel flying all over the place because something can go wrong. And this last game, I think we saw short, concise passes, a lot better structure, a lot less risk-taking, and a lot less catastrophic mistakes that resulted in goals. And I was hoping that you saw the same thing with these more safe calculated passes and obviously less goals in the back of the net, although it wasn't the result we wanted. I did see the same thing. I agree with you on that. And, um, you know, part of that, as I'm thinking about it, as you're talking and I'm thinking about it, what else has to do with that? You know what? Back-to-back games. You don't have the energy level in game two you had in game one. I think that helped them actually because – you're, you're just trying to get through it and play a simple game. They always talk about playing a simple game, but when you're playing the second game in as many days with travel, you're really trying to play a simple game because you just don't have it. And yeah. uh, I think that helped them, but I, but I think they need to need to play like that all the time. So what did you say? Position over submission. I like that. Yes. Position over submission or the other analogy I used is when you're trying to achieve the position, our professor in jiu-jitsu always says, When you're advancing position, be like someone who is repairing a telephone wire because they go up a couple inches every few times and it's safe. You don't want to be the squirrel. No, I'm the the squirrel. I'm terrible. And there were a few games, uh, not these past two, but the ones before that, more specifically the ones that we lost in overtime against teams that I thought we were better than, more so than the last few games, that we saw a lot of these squirrel-like movements and uh, questionable (laughs) passes that put us in some bad situations. And honestly, like, the more cerebral the team is, especially the breakouts from the back line, the faster these defenders are getting the puck off the boards and finding the center, there's way less problems. And I just think CBJ in general is extremely unlucky. You have to trust the process. I understand that it's been a long process because this franchise hasn't had a ton of success. But the truth of the matter is, is like, the quality of play has improved a lot, although the results haven't been what we want. And the kicker is, is a lot of the teams in the Metropolitan Division aren't playing well either. I live on Long Island, and I was just at the Islanders-Capitals game, and my word, the Islanders are horrible. And I wouldn't say the Capitals are that great either. And you know what? We're still early enough in the season that basically every team is two or three wins away from being in the playoffs. 
So, like you said before, there's a there's a stretch of home games coming up here. We've got Pittsburgh coming up, and uh, a couple wins can really right the ship. And like you said earlier, this team is eagerly wanting something good to happen to them. Yeah, wanting and needing even more so. I'll tell you what, Troy, it, when, this, when this team starts to be good – and they start to be consistently good. If I was a coach, I would I would get that uh, position over submission on a T-shirt. I'd, I'd use that as the, you know what I mean? Instead of, you know, everybody's got these coaches all have their things, and sometimes they get shirts made up. I think that one would be yeah. terrific. Yeah, because that's the thing, Bob. Like, I always try to make analogies to things with martial arts because it's fun, but it's the truth. When you rush and make ill-advised decisions – you get put in precarious situations. Yeah. My I, vote is moving, and you are going to not hear all right. me. Thank you for the great show. And uh, <laughs> keep up the great show. Hopefully, I'll be able to hear the rest of it over the motor while good. we're heading back to the dock. All right. Good luck on the fishing. Thanks for uh, checking in from wherever you're checking in today. I think what he was saying very politely is uh, when he makes the uh, references to martial arts, it's that if you don't do it right, you're going to get your ass kicked. So I, I think that kind of boils it all right down. I, not that I'm doing martial arts, but if I were, I know if I don't do it right, what's going to happen to me. Paul, you are up next on the Monday mailbag today. Hi, Paul. Hey, Bob. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, not as good as Troy. I can promise you that. <laughs> Certainly no, not as many, good as Many of us are not as good as Troy today. Man, he's really uh, set the bar high, hasn't he? Yeah, and then he made sure he just rubbed it in at the end, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. No, I'm moving now. You guys. Goodbye. I'm moving on my boat. I've already got a couple of great catches, and I might lose you. You know, it's like uh, like Mr. Howell on Gilligan's Island. I'm sorry. We're I, moving uh, on the boat here. I've got to go, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> anyway, Paul, oh, go ahead. Oh, boy. Well, I'm glad somebody's having a good Monday. <laughs> I, I know I know the Jacket fans and everybody else, not so much. It's uh, It was a frustrating weekend, but I don't. You know, the frustrating, I guess, last 10 games. But, I, you know, I, 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 I listen to the games with you. I can't watch and see what's happening, um, you know. So I maybe it doesn't uh, hit the same way for me as it does uh, other people. So I'm not as frustrated. But, I mean, 10 games come out with a handful of points because of overtimes. But I don't – this 10-game stretch doesn't feel the same as, like, a 10-game stretch from last year. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Ten game like, stretch last year felt like twenty five games. Oh my goodness! Like at least like last year, you would go into a game and get to the second period. Like we got no chance. Second There's period, no chance of us being in this game. And at least in here, you're in the third period. You're like, okay, okay, this could happen. This could happen. We're right yeah. here. We're right there. They're close. It feels like, and you know, the team has a lot of life. And I mean, I. I wouldn't be surprised if they smacked around Pittsburgh tomorrow night. I'm, I'm hoping for it. I won't, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if they got them pretty good. Well, that would be uh, nice because all of us have seen the Pittsburgh game on repeat for too many years. Well, except for last year, game 81, you know. Yeah. Finally got them. <laughs> the worst timed win of all time. Hey, they still, hey they, they still got Fantilli, so I'm not going <laughs> to. Well, I'll just leave it at that. Where, uh, absolutely, and that's kind of where I was going. Um, you know, I'm watching highlights and things like that. It feels like Fantilli's starting to really get his, his legs under him and hearing some of the things he has to say under uh, after the game during the press conferences. It feels like it's only a matter of time before he kind of just really stands up and says, all right, boys, Jump on, jump on my back. Let's go, like he would do so many times at Michigan. What do you think? I think that that's. I, I think you're right on that. It, it's really hard to do at 19 years old. Obviously, I mean, you come in and the, the guys that are around you that have the experience that they have. But if you're going to do any of that, you have got to be one of the best players on the ice, and he is trending that way for sure. So yes, I. You know, he told me when we were in Florida last Monday. I talked to him for my pregame show and he gave me that spiel of I don't want to I don't like to lose. I don't like that feeling. I don't want to get used to that feeling. He dropped it again last night after uh the loss in New York. He means it. Uh, this guy doesn't show up and put on a uniform to lose. It irritates him badly. And 
I I think there need to be a lot more people that get that irritated and do something about it. I felt like not only was he irritated about the Saturday loss, he was going to do whatever he could do last night to make it better. And he was going to do it on one of the biggest stages in the league, Madison Square Garden. So just the fact that he has that mentality, the fact that he addressed it in his play, I agree with you that at some point, and I'm not saying it's going to be this year, because you have to earn the respect. You can't just walk in as a cocky kid and say, I got this. You've got to prove that you have it. You have to do it every single day because people have to know that you're going to bring it no matter what. And if you're going to bring it, I got to bring it. You got to be Boone Jenner when it comes to that. You know, even when Boone has a, a subpar night, it, it there's always the effort. So I think Adam Fantilli will be that kind of player, and I think he will have that voice at some point. I totally agree with you on that. A hundred percent. And, you know, I'm, he's got to be – the kid just seems so intense and so competitive. He has to see what Bedard and Carlson and those guys are doing with their uh, respective teams, and he wants to do better. I guarantee he does, and he wants to show he should have been the number one guy in the draft this year. There's only one Calder trophy for the rookie of the year, right? Absolutely. They don't so, give second place. I don't remember. They don't. They don't. They Not even honorable mention. I couldn't even tell you who finished second ever. So, you know, it's uh, if you want to get it, if you want to prove anything, I mean, this is the year that you can do that, right? There is an award that you actually have a chance to win because you're a rookie, and the competition is really stiff this year. But I, I think that guy has a burning desire. I'm sure he would never say that. He would say, I want my team to win over me winning a trophy, and I believe that. I really honestly believe that. But let's be honest. On this team, if he would be good enough to win that trophy, he's going to help this team win a lot. Exactly, and that's kind of the underlying motivation, I guess. You know, it's like, yes, team first, we want to win. But, you know, there's I'm sure he wants to have individual accolades as well if that comes along as a, a consequence of helping the team sure. win. Absolutely. That means he's doing his job. And again, anytime 100%. when he's doing his job on this team, he's going to help him win. So I agree with you, Paul. Thanks for checking in. Sorry you're not fishing today. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next thanks, time. Bob. All right. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for being on the Monday Mailbag today. If you would like to be on the Monday Mailbag and if you are on X Spaces, you can request to be a speaker. And if you do that, I will go ahead and authorize you to be a speaker. And once I do that, you can come on the show. And next up to do just that is Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. How you doing today, Bob? Good. Good. I uh, came in about partway in, so if you answer this, that's fine. You know, just ignore me. Uh, I'm used to that. So I'll just answer it again. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, so, so you know, I, this the jacket team has me feeling all sorts of ways, positive, negative, everywhere in between, highs and lows. Um, You're like an old Clint Eastwood thing, movie, every which way but loose. Okay. That's what you are. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> The um the thing that's tough. I mean, they they and I think in all four of their overtime losses, they had the lead going into to, like the other team had to tie it up to force overtime. I think in all four of their losses, I'm pretty sure on that. Um, but what's killer? So what's killer is this inability to close out games, right? Like that's what's killing them. Right. They could do that. I think a lot of people would be a lot happier in the season than where it stands at the moment, which is positive because it's better than where we were a year ago. But still a problem. And my question, I guess. Oh, I didn't lose you, did I? Like last night, they had, what, one shot on net for like almost all of the third period? Or one attempt, excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me, one um, That's what I thought was kind of crazy, uh, that they're, they're just sitting back, being just trying to like sit back, let them work the perimeter nonstop, and then that entire six on five, they never pushed – the guys at all they let them work it around the entire time and that's when it ends up getting the goal so is that because you think that they're that that's the intention is to try to be that passive and just try to lock down defense is it because they're tired that you know they're just they need to get in bit, better shape i know last night was a back-to-back -back, but that's happened in other games too so um is it tired is it intention is it growing pains? I mean, what do you think it is that's causing such a massive fall off? Because you cannot win games if you're just getting shelled for an entire period, basically. 
Well, the defense, the defensive system that they're playing is concentrating more on defending the middle of the ice and the front of the goal. So they are willing to give up the perimeter in order to protect the goalie and to try to keep teams from getting to the inside. That's what they've been doing all year long. And, um, you know, yesterday I, they, they did it. Like if, if that's the game plan, they played that to perfection in the third period. Um, now, what you also need to do is when you get the opportunity to clear the zone, you've got to clear the zone. And that's something that I, I think if you go back and you look at the last couple of games where these leads have been blown, you'll see that. Puck's getting to the blue line, not getting beyond the blue line. Um, just, I mean, literally, you know, when they say game of inches, it, it literally has been. But yesterday, there might have been some fatigue as well, and not because they're out of shape, but because of the back-to-back. But I, I didn't have a problem with the way they, they played it. And I, and I'm also the kind of guy that says, you know, I make the old football analogy when they do prevent defense, I say that it prevents you from winning. So you could come back at me with that too. But I I thought they were doing it really well yesterday. And I think just maybe two more pucks out over the blue line might've made the difference in that game, but they didn't get there. Here's, here's what I think when it comes to closing these games out, I, I think that this thing, it's repeated itself so many times now that I think that they're, as a group, you want to win, and you're trying to do everything you can do to win. But in the back of your mind, you're saying, I know what happened last time, or, uh-oh, I hope this doesn't happen again, and then it's happening. They've got to find a way to close it out, and I really think if they could just do it once or twice, I, I think there's so much mental as well as physical because you get the uh uh-oh in your mind because it's happened enough times. Uh Uh-oh, we can't blow this lead. Uh Uh-oh, this just happened yesterday. Uh Uh-oh, last time we went to overtime. And in a way, I think they're hoping to win in those situations. They need to have success so that they can believe they can win. I think right now on the penalty kill, the way I watch this team play the penalty kill, it's like they don't expect to give up a power play goal. They just don't. The way they play it, they simplify, they clear the zone, boom, not a problem. Here, we're just going to take care of this. Yesterday, second-ranked power play in the league, five on three for a minute and nine seconds. You're up by one. You're just begging that team to tie the game. And what'd they do? Nothing. Because the penalty killers went out there, boop, 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 boop. Here, we did our job. It's over before you can blink. They're, they are very confident in that area of the game. They're not as confident, and because they haven't done it, they're not as confident in closing out. I think closing is not more mental than physical, but I think it's probably kind of equal. I mean, look at the baseball analogy. Not everybody can be a closer. Not everybody can walk in with the game on the line and need to get one out or three outs and just go do it. I mean, the guys that do it well are the guys that are confident that they're going to do it. I mean, if you're coming in and you're hoping, well, I hope I don't blow this, well, you're going to blow it, right? So they need, and this is as a group. This isn't just one guy, two guy, three guys. They, they've got to, you've got to change the mindset and, and then get the success. But, man, I'm telling you, two more pucks over the blue line and force the Rangers to reset, and I think you have a different result in that game last night. Oh, and, and I agree and with some that. Face, but, and some but, face-off wins, by the way, and face-off wins. Yeah. We, we, we stopped well, talking about that. We talked about it earlier in the show. I don't know if you were on, but if, if you're not, if, if you're not going to win the face-off, then you're just setting that team up immediately. So when you're talking about, you know, packing it in and letting them have the perimeter, well, if they have the puck right off the draw, you just made your job a hundred times harder. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's, and, and to me, to me, it's, Kind of like the prevent defense in football, which I I hate because I feel like every time I watch prevent defense in football, I inevitably watch the other team score. Um, it just it just seems like if you're trying to hold on for a whole period, it's one thing to try to do that for the last couple minutes of a game. It's another to do it for the entire third period, where they basically had almost zero offensive chances that entire time. And I, like the whole time, you I was just sitting there watching. Like I, I know it's going through their heads, like you just said. I was sitting there watching, going, like, they're going to give up a goal. They're going to give up a goal here. Like they're, they're doing the, the pucks in their end the whole time. They're going to give one up. And then all it took was, was Provorov sliding just slightly to the side, you know, just, you know, a couple feet out of position. It wasn't like he was terribly out of position, but that puck went right by where he was, right to their guy, right to Lafreniere right there. And 
game. Well, not game, but you know, tied it up and then it was. Yeah. Well, well, it was, it wasn't game, but it was all of a sudden another blow to the confidence, which for this team right now is as big, if not bigger in some ways than, than the game being over right at that point. So yeah, I know. And that's why I, I just like, I just like to see them be, a bit more aggressive and, and whatnot. Cause I like the, uh, cause the Islanders do a good job of shutdown defense, but they do it with the, preventing the entries. It seems a lot better they, they go out and prevent the entries to the zones as opposed to just like sitting in tight on the goalie. Like what, like what the jackets are doing. Right. But no, two, no, two different styles. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're right about that. So, uh, thanks, we'll Paul. see. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for being on today. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, he, he's got good points. Everybody has good points. And I mean, you know, I've said this before on here, and I I tell the players all the time, you know, look, I can score 50 goals from where I sit. I don't have to get hit. I see all the open lanes. You know, I get it. I think yesterday in particular, I think they were just trying so hard to get a win in that building and, and finish that trip with a win, and they were willing to sacrifice some things for the good of all things, and then it didn't happen. As Jonathan said, it just came down to, you know, one extra pass and, and and a good shot, and it was a good shot. I mean, it was it was well executed what the Rangers did, which again is not a surprise with the talent they have and the way they play in a power play situation, which essentially that was. Uh let's see, what do I have next here? Goes on, is that how it is? Guys on, goes on, guys on, I guess. On X says uh, a lot of the players interviewed before the Rangers game were emphasizing that what cost the goals against are mostly personal mistakes and turnovers and bad plays and not the system and that it is easier to fix than a system issue. What do you think? Well, I think they're right. I mean, they again, they were saying that, like Corrali was saying that, what mistake did he make? He, he tried to fire the puck out of the zone and it went off a skate. And he didn't have, the lane wasn't as clear as he thought it was. And it bounced back to the Red Wings, and and they got a goal out of it. That was a personal mistake. It wasn't a system. Um, I think the system they're playing is fine. They just need to uh, make better individual decisions. I I don't think they were lying about it, quite frankly. I, I don't. Don't think that at all. Marcus says, what goal song do you find to be so obnoxious? I remember you saying you were sick of Tim McGraw in Nashville, but Eminem was sure annoying over the weekend. Yeah, the, the whole thing, the Tim McGraw song, I don't mind the song. In fact, I like the song. I liked it a lot better before I got in this league. I like the song. I don't like how many times I've had to hear it because of the Predators scoring a goal. The same thing with the Blackhawks song. Now, not so much in recent years, but in previous ones, I would hear that song a lot, and that's why it would get on my nerves. Uh, yeah, the I... Sometimes I don't even notice the songs. I shouldn't say I don't notice, but sometimes they just they just roll off, and I don't. I couldn't even tell you what it was. But yeah, the Eminem thing. You're yeah. I was I was tired of hearing that. I was absolutely tired of hearing that on Saturday. I agree with you on that one. So that's where we are. Blue Jackets looking to regroup. They got a point yesterday. They didn't get two. They're not happy about that. Day off today, coming back from that trip. They'll have a morning skate tomorrow, and the Pittsburgh Penguins will be here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. The Arizona Coyotes will be here on Thursday for a 7 o'clock game. That is also Hockey Fights Cancer Night. And uh, first 10,000 get a Johnny Gaudreau bobblehead, by the way, at that game on Thursday. Get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com. Programming note for you, uh, there will be no Inside Edge this week because... Blue Jackets have the Tuesday and Thursday games, and there's an Ohio State basketball game on Wednesday. So no inside edge this week. It will return the following week, but we'll do it on Tuesday. There's, there's an opportunity to to move it around so that uh, we don't have to miss altogether. So uh, next week on Tuesday, and I'll, obviously I'll keep you briefed on that uh, before we get there. So, yeah, this schedule is going to get busy. It is uh, going to get very busy. As a matter of fact, two home games, and then it's, as I said, we go down to uh, Washington again to finish off the the road portion of the season schedule with Washington on Saturday. I can't believe that, by the way. Like, 
we go there two times within a span of two weeks and, and we're done with them on the road. It's just weird. It's just very weird. But anyway, uh, the Saturday game in Washington, Sunday late afternoon game in Philadelphia, less than 24 hours between those two games, by the way. And then it's back home for the game the night before uh, Thanksgiving against Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks. So very, very busy schedule coming up for the Blue Jackets. And, and hopefully, who was it that said this? Was it Paul? I think it was Paul. Paul said he feels good about a win against the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena. So I hope that Paul is right. I hope that everybody in the world is wrong and Paul is right. I hope that Troy catches another fish. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your Monday. It's been great having you along today. Uh, I try to do it every Monday, schedule permitting. Sometimes there's travel, sometimes there's stuff going on, but try to do it every Monday at 1 o'clock so we can get together. We can convene right here, and um, I can be your Dr. Phil. I can, I can listen to your problems, and I can help you figure them out. I can help you to understand why the Blue Jackets have not had the success that they need to have. That's what I try to do for you every Monday. So we'll do it again next week. That was two two impressions in the same show, wasn't it, for me today? Yeah. Maybe I should do more of it. Or maybe you're saying don't ever do that again. I don't know. I'm not sure. But, again, thanks for being with me today. Really do appreciate it. And the Blue Jackets and Penguins play tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Our pregame show on the Blue Jackets radio network starts at 6.30 tomorrow Pre-game on Bally Sports also starts at 6.30 tomorrow night. So, until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying thanks for listening and so long.